We want to thank you today for joining us at Truth Chapel's podcast. I pray this word would bring you life. I pray that it would edify you, encourage you, and enlighten you. If you have a moment, please subscribe and leave us a review. We will be so grateful. God bless, and let this word speak to your heart today. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Beginning the Acts series, uh, continuing the Acts series tonight. We got about eight more chapters to get through. Tonight I'm going to do a lot of reading and I'm going to do a lot of it kind of quick because I'm going to try to get through some of this. Um, but I want you to, um, I, I told you last week there was some homework that I wanted you to go home and, and look up. How many of you remember the, the point that I wanted to leave you with last week? Go look, keep looking for this. What was that point that I wanted to make? Somebody in the classroom. Anybody remember? Okay, let me refresh your memory. It was that Paul, Paul said, I must go through Jerusalem and I must go through Rome. That's right. So we're, so we're all remembering that. We're going to come up on some of this tonight. Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. When you have it, just shout, I got it. And after the uproar was ceased, Paul called unto him the disciples and embraced them and departed for to go into Macedonia. And when he had gone over those parts and had given them much exhortation, he came into Greece, and there are both three months. And when the Jews laid wait for him, he was about to sail into Syria. He purposed to return through Macedonia. I'm going to stop right there because I'm going to read a lot more tonight. But let's just pray the Lord to ask, ask the Lord to touch us tonight. Lord, we thank you for your word. We ask you tonight, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word. Use your word. You said your word is good. Every part of your word is good for rebuke, reproof, for encouragement. And so tonight, Lord, I pray that you would do that through your word. Teach us, grow us, lead us, and mature us. And we'll give you all the praise and glory. And the church said amen. Amen. And you may be seated in the house. Amen. So we're going to do a lot of reading tonight. I'm going to... I'm going to um, uh, try to make some sense of some of this, uh, some, of, of some of this stuff tonight in the in the last few chapters of the book of Acts. One thing that I wanted to point out here in in uh, in the beginning of this is that Paul uh, is doing a lot of traveling right now in in this part of his life. He's been to a lot of places. He the the Bible will say uh, that Paul preached to everybody, or he reached everybody. In Asia, which is mind-blowing, right? Mind-blowing. Um, unless you understand that Paul is not just walking through anywhere doing these things. Paul is actually able to navigate the entire landscape of Asia because of a country called Rome. Paul is a Roman citizen who was born Jew but has Roman citizenship. And because he's a Roman citizen, he can travel Roman roads. At the time of his life, at the time of his ministry, Rome had conquered most of the known world. They had conquered all of Asia. So Rome had done one thing as they conquered Asia. Rome, everywhere Rome went, they built roads. Everywhere the army of Rome would conquer, behind the army would always be people building the roads so that the army could move into the place. They could take full control over it. This was the modus operandi of the mode of operation for the Roman army. 
Every place they conquered, they built a road. So now, here is Paul. He's a Roman citizen, able to travel freely on Roman roads, and was able to evangelize all of Asia because everything the devil meant for bad, God can use it for good. Roman roads built for the wrong reasons, God using it to evangelize an entire country. How can one man evangelize an entire country? And when you understand that he could because he was a Roman, he could travel Roman roads freely, all he had to do was just stand around and wait for someone coming by. He was able to catch rides. He was able to pick up with Roman people because he was a Roman citizen traveling on the roads that the Romans had built. They had built it to conquer things. When the Romans were conquering that part of the land, they didn't even know, well, we are building these roads so that a man can bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to this place. Amen. You never know why God's working behind the scenes. Somebody said amen. Amen. So the Bible tells us that he's doing a lot of traveling. He uh, set sail into Syria, purposed to return through Macedonia. Verse 4 of Acts chapter 20. I'm going to read for a little while here. And there accompanied him unto Asia, so Potter of Berea and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and uh, Secondus and Gaius of Derb and Timotheus and of Asia, uh, Tysias and Trophimus. These are great names. If you're looking for a name for a child, first four of chapter 20, I mean, pick one. They're all great. These going before tarried for us at Troas, and we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and came unto them to Troas in five days where we abode seven days. And upon the first day of the week, the Lord's day, again, I'm, I'm going to make this point one more time. This is why we meet on the first day of the week. We, we meet on Sunday. That's the first day of the week. Saturday is the Sabbath day. We know that's established. But the, the, early, the apostolic church in the early books of the Bible, these men of God and women of God, they met on the first day of the week on Sunday. That's when the Holy Ghost fell in Acts chapter 2. That's when they would get together. The Bible says they met the first day of the week. They broke bread, and Paul preached unto them. This is, this is the reason why we meet on Sunday as, as Christians. As Christians, we meet on Sundays. We meet on the Lord's Day. It is the first day of the week, otherwise known as the Lord's Day, because this is when the early church got together. Someone preached. They sang songs. They broke bread. They fellowshiped, and they heard from the Word of God. Make sense? Amen. Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. Now, thank God we ain't preaching till midnight. Hallelujah. This man has something to say, y'all. Finally, brethren, and it went five more chapters, you know what I'm saying? Just, you know, he just said, let the music come so we can give him some hope. But no, don't come yet. I got something to say. I'm preaching till midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there set in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, this man is putting people to sleep, this He's much preaching. He sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And I heard a preacher say one time, do you know why his name was Eutychus? Because Eutychus too if you fell out the third story window. <laughs> That's free. I'm throwing that in free tonight on the Wednesday night Bible study. Eutychus fell out the window. He was asleep in the church service. The preacher was preaching too long. The Bible said not only did he sleep, but he sunk down deep in sleep. Man's mouth was hanging open. He was snoring. Whew, fell out the window. 
and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, trouble not yourselves for his life is in him. Now, if, you, if you've been here for a long time at Truth Chapel, you remember a lesson I, t- I taught long ago about when people fall asleep in church. You can, do you know you can be lost on the pew? You can be lost right in the church, hearing the good word of the Lord, but just get so used to it, so monotonous in the background of your mind, your spirit, your life, that you just fall asleep. But here's the church's response to people who fall asleep in church. We should run to them, we should embrace them, and we should be like, listen, they're not dead. There's life in them. Some of y'all remember that lesson I taught about the church's posture with people who lose out in the church. Good folks of God who were here listening, but somewhere along the way got a little bit maybe distracted, maybe fell asleep at the wheel, and now they fell out the window of the church. The church shouldn't be like, well, he fell asleep, and he's just dead now. We're just going to leave him to die. But the church should run to them. The church should embrace them, and the church should say, hey, there's still life here. There's, there's still life here. Come on, somebody who ain't been here in the last two or three years since COVID, if they come back next Sunday, you better put a smile on your face, run to them, embrace them, because there's still life in them. I'll find something to preach every verse in this Bible. That's good word right there. And when he was therefore, he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till the break of day, so he departed. The man preached, he didn't preach till midnight, he preached at the breaking of the next day. This man preached from Sunday to Monday. Y'all better be thankful you got a man of God who will keep it right about 50 minutes or less. Be grateful, be grateful. They brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. And he, and we went before to ship and sailed into Assos there, attending to take in Paul, for so he had appointed, minding himself to go afoot. And when he met with us at Assos, we took him in and came to Mytilene. And we sailed thence and came the next day over against Chios. And the next day we arrived at Samos and tarried at Trogilium. Woo, hallelujah. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, just read this couple of these scriptures and you're going to get it. The next day we came to Maltus, for Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus because he would not spend the time in Asia, for he hasted, watch it, for he hasted if it were possible for him to be at Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. He wanted to be back in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, so he's rushing, he's moving through, he's pushing through because he wants to be back in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. And from Maltus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you all at, at all seasons. I, I've been here for every season, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying and weight of the Jews. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that should befall me there. Bound in the spirit unto, I'm bound by the spirit. I got to go to Jerusalem. 
I don't even know the things that will befall me there. Save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. You hear what Paul's saying? Paul is telling them, you're probably not going to see me again. I'm, I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to Rome and you're not going to see me ever again. You shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. This is, you got to write this down, Acts 20 and 26, because I believe as disciple makers and as, as evangelists of the Lord, could we really today say what Paul said, and I am pure from the blood of all men. That everybody that I had a moment, everybody that I had time to, everybody that I had the moment to share the gospel with them, I did my part and I told them about the good news. And so I'm pure from all the blood of every man. That's, that's huge. That's Acts 20, 26, a very important scripture in your Bible. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made me overseers, made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which, hath per which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own self shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn you every one night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which, I, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. I didn't do this for that. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. You got to think about this moment. Paul has been with these men for three years. Sound familiar? Does it sound familiar? Uh, that a man would take these disciples unto himself, Timotheus and, and Barnabas and all these men for three years spent life with them. That he said, I'm free from all the blood of all men. Gave them three years of his life, dedicated his life to sharing the gospel of Jesus across the entire country of Asia. And he gave his life for it. These, three, these men for three years. And he tells them, I have to go and you're not going to see me no more. It sounds just like Jesus who did the same thing, spent three years with 12 men, and then one night at dinner told him, you're not going to see me again. And I want you to watch what happens in the next couple of verses. Chapter 21, that it came to pass that after we were gotten from them 
and had launched. We came with a straight course to, unto Kus, and the day following unto Rhodes, and from thence unto Padara. And finding a ship sailing unto Phoenicia, we went aboard and set forth. Now when we had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand and sailed into Syria and landed at Tyre. For there the ship was un, unlaid her burden. And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul, through the Spirit, that we should not go up to Jerusalem. Mark this verse in your Bible. We, we, we went to this place with the ship that we were on needed to un, 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 unload its burden because they're probably on a cargo ship type traveling. And while they're there, they find certain disciples. And when they were with those certain disciples, they stayed with them for seven days, probably while the ship unloaded and reloaded. And they spoke through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. Just, just, just put that down, keep it in your mind. And when he had accomplished those days, we departed and went our way, and they all brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city, and we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. And when we had taken our leave one of another, we took ship, and they returned home again. And when we had finished our course from Tyre, we went to that word, Ptolemus, I believe it's called, and saluted the brethren and abode with them one day. And the next day we were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven, abode with him. Caesarea Philippi, as you would remember. The reason it's called Caesarea Philippi is because that's where Philip lived after his great revival, if you remember from Acts, uh, from Acts chapter 8. Philip's great revival, he went from, the, from, the, from Samaria to the desert and converted the eunuch, baptized him. And from there, he went to live in Caesarea, Philip, Philip, Philippi. That's where, that was, that's where he lived. This is what the evangelists would do. You see, we believe that evangelists should travel all the time. But I'm an evangelist. And I have a, a place. I still travel, but I have a place that I minister. Amen? This is, this is what you can think of when you think about Philip the evangelist. By, by the way, it's the only person in your Bible that the Lord calls an evangelist. Only one guy. Only one story you need to learn. If you want to know what an evangelist does, learn the story of Philip. You, do, do you want to be an evangelist? I'll tell, you, I, I'll tell you how to be an evangelist. Be effective in a city and be effective on a chariot. That's an evangelist. Be effective in a room full of thousands of people and be effective in a coffee shop, one person to the other. That's the ministry of an evangelist. Can you convert a city? Great. Can you convert one person who's, who has a hunger for the Lord? That's the ministry of an evangelist. Ooh, I could preach all night. Y'all not ready for me to get off into that. I won't tonight. Which was one of the seven in the boat with him, verse 9. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he had come down unto us, he took Paul's girdle. Watch this story. Agabus, who's a prophet, takes Paul's girdle and binds his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem... Bind the man that owneth this girdle, 
and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they that were of that place besought him not to go to Jerusalem. That's two times now. Somebody say that's twice. That's twice the Spirit has warned him, don't go to Jerusalem. Verse 16. Uh, I'm sorry, no, not verse 16, verse 13. Then Paul answered, what mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. It's going to get good to you here in a little while. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying the will of the Lord be done. When we couldn't persuade him, this is the second time that people have given him a word through the Holy Ghost, don't go to Jerusalem, but he cannot be persuaded. We ceased saying the will of the Lord be done. And after those days, we took up our carriages and went up to Jerusalem. There went with us also certain of the disciples of Caesarea and brought with them one Manasseh of Cyprus, an old disciple, which whom we should lodge. And we were come to Jerusalem. The brethren received us gladly. And the day following, Paul went in with us into James, and all the elders were present. So they came to Jerusalem. They finally made it to Jerusalem. He's been warned two times by two different men of God, do not go to Jerusalem. Verse 17 says, when we were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. Seems like everything's fine. Paul went into the James and the elders. Here's the, here, here's the, original, uh, the, the original apostles, James and the elders of the church. Paul's now back where it all began, and here he is. And when they had saluted, when he had saluted them, he declared particularly what things God wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry. So as he's in there, he starts telling them everything that's happened over the last several years. And when they heard it, they glorified God and said unto him, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe, and they are all zealous of the law. And they informed of thee that thou teachest all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, neither to walk after the customs. What is it, therefore? The multitude must needs come together, for they will hear that thou art come. Do therefore this that we say to thee. We have four men which have a vow on them. Them take and purify thyself with them, and be at charges with them, that they may shave their heads, and all may know that these things whereof they were informed concerning thee are nothing, but that thou thyself also walkest orderly and keepest the law. As touching the Gentiles which believe, we have written and concluded that they observe no such thing, save only that they keep themselves from things offered to idols and from blood and from strangled and from fornication. Then Paul took the men, and the next day purifying himself, with them entered into the temple to signify the accomplishment of the days of purification until that an offering should be offered for every one of them. Can I stop here and just kind of tell you what's going on? Paul comes back to the original place, the original apostles, presents himself to them, explains and testifies what God has done all over the world, the great ministry, and they say, man, we're glad to hear that. We rejoice with you, but we got a problem here. There's thousands of Jews who believe on Jesus Christ. They've received the Holy Ghost. They've been baptized, but man, they are zealous about the law. They're concerned because they're hearing that you're out there telling the Gentiles they don't need to be circumcised. 
You're out there telling the Gentiles they don't need to honor the Lord the way that we honor the Lord. We're hearing stuff, man. We're just hearing that you are out there like you're not accomplishing the things of the law. So here's what we'd like you to do. We're going to give you four guys. You're going to go with them. They're going to help you get purified. We want the Jews to see you walk in the law because we ourselves wrote the law that all they had to do was follow these, these rules, not eat things you know, offered to idols, abstain from blood, abstain from things strangled, and abstain from fornication. We, we made those rules. We sent those rules out. But we'd like you to be purified and go to the temple so the Jews can see you do that. So maybe we can kind of, you know, let them know that you are zealous about the law, that you keep us the law, that you walkest orderly and you keep the law. In verse 27, and when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews, which were of Asia, when they saw him in the temple, stirred up all the people and laid hands on him. The apostles were trying to find a way to avoid the conflict, but it didn't work. As soon as they saw him in the temple, they grabbed him. This is that Paul. They laid hands on him, crying out, men of Israel, help. This is the man that teaches all men everywhere against the people and the law. And this place and further, from, and further brought Greeks also into the temple and hath polluted this holy place. See that? The apostles are trying to avoid this conflict by making Paul look like he's following all the, the order. But when the Jews see him, there's been so much talk about Paul that they, this is the man. They grab him. They cry out. This is the guy that's polluted the holy place. Watch verse 29. For they had seen before with him in the city of Trophimus and Ephesian, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. And all the city was moved, and the people ran together, and they took Paul and drew him out of the temple, and forthwith the doors were shut. And as they were about to kill him, about to kill this man. Now, Paul should know better because he's been told twice by the Holy Ghost, don't go to Jerusalem. But, 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 but stay with me. Tidings came unto the chief captain of the band that all Jerusalem was in an uproar, who immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down unto them. And when they saw the chief captain and the soldiers, they left beating of Paul. They'd been beating Paul while they were waiting. So when the captain of the band heard what was going on, he got his soldiers together. They ran down there. And when they showed up, they, they, everybody backed off Paul. Then the chief captain came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains and, and demanded who he was. And what he had done. Why are you causing this trouble in my town? I'm the sheriff of this here town. I don't like troublemakers. What are you doing here? Why are these people trying to kill you? I ain't got time for this. Right? He came. Uh, he asked him what he had done. Verse 34. And some cried one thing, some another among the multitude. And when he could not know the certainty for the tumult, he commanded him to be carried into the castle. And when he came into the, upon the stairs, so it was that he was born of the soldiers for the violence of the people. For the multitude of the people followed after crying, away with him, away with him. Sound familiar to anybody? And as Paul was led into the castle, he said unto the chief captain, may I speak unto thee? And he said, can you, can you, can you speak Greek? Art thou, not any, art not thou that Egyptian? which before these days made us an uproar and led us out into the wilderness 4,000 men which, that were murderers. So if you, if, if, if you kind of read between the lines here, you have to kind of look at a little background history. At the time, there was like a murderer who had 
uh, like basically built a cult and got these men together and made this like massive gang of people who were killing people and murdering people. They thought that's who Paul was because there's no way all these people be throwing a fit over just this regular guy. He's like, we found him. This is the guy who's caused the trouble. I'm going to get him. He's the Egyptian. He thinks Paul's someone else. But Paul said, I am a man which am a Jew of Tarshish, a city in Sicilia, a citizen of no mean city, and I beseech thee, suffer me to speak unto the people. And when he had given him license, Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with his hand unto the people. And when there was made a great silence, he spake unto them in the Hebrew tongue, saying, verse 22, men and brethren and fathers, Hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. And when they had heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more of the silent and saith, and he saith, I am verily a man which am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Sicilia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous towards God, as ye are this day. I am one of you. Paul said, I used to be just like y'all. I used to want to kill people like me. My name used to be Saul. I know exactly what y'all feeling because I used to be a zealot just like you. My, my, my. And I persecuted this way unto death, binding and delivering into prisons, both men and women, as also the high priest doth bear me witness and all the estate of the elders from whom I received letters unto the brethren and went to Damascus to bring them which were bound in Jerusalem for to be punished. And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me and I fell onto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise, go into Damascus, and there, and there it shall be told thee all the things which are appointed for thee to do. And when I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of a man that were with me, I came into Damascus, and one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. In the same hour I looked upon him. And he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will, and see that just one, and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth, for thou shalt be his witness unto all men, of what thou hast seen and heard. And now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So Paul's telling us that after the Lord touched me, I got baptized and I got baptized calling on the name of the Lord. Somebody said amen. And it came to pass that when I come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance and saw him saying unto me, make haste and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive my testimony concerning me. And I said, Lord, they know that I, that I imprisoned and beat, every, beat in every synagogue them that believed on thee. 
And when, they, and when the blood of the martyr Stephen was shed, I was standing by and consented unto his death. I kept the raiment of them that slew him. And he said unto me, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. And they gave him audience unto his word, and then lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. This was their response to his testimony. And they cried out and cast off their clothes and threw dust in the air. And the chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle and bade that he should be examined by scourging, that he might know wherefore they cried so against him. We're going to beat it out of him. That's what, that's, that's what the Bible's saying. That the, that the captain was like, you know what? We're going to find out why these people hate this man. And if we have to beat it out of him, we will. We're going to examine him by beating so that we'll know exactly what this man has done. And as they bound him with tongs, Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, I love Paul. Paul knows what he's doing. As they bound him up, they're about to beat him. Paul said, is it lawful for you to beat a man that's a Roman and uncondemned? When the centurion heard that, he went and told the chief captain, saying, uh, take heed what thou doest. This man is a Roman. Paul knows his rights. You can't, listen, you can beat a Jew uncondemned, but you can't beat a Roman uncondemned. And I'm a Roman. Yes, born a Jew. I'm a Roman citizen though. So Paul says, is, is, is it okay for you to beat a Roman who hasn't been condemned? He runs to the chief, says, hey, we, we need to take a minute here and think about this. This man's a Roman. Then the chief captain came and said unto him, tell me, art thou a Roman? He said, yeah. So the Bible said, and the chief captain answered, with a great sum obtained I this freedom. And Paul said, but I was free born. Then straightway they departed from him, which should have examined him. And the chief captain also was afraid after he knew that he was a Roman and because he had even bound him. He's like, man, I messed up. You can't even put a Roman in chains unless he's been formally condemned by a high court. Paul knows, what, Paul knows what he's at. On the morrow, because he would have known the certainty wherefore he was accused of the Jews, he loosed him from his bands and commanded the chief priests and all their counsel to appear and brought Paul down and set him before them. I'm almost finished tonight. And Paul earnestly, chapter 23, and Paul earnestly beholding the council said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. Paul said, man, I, I've lived good before God until this day. And the high priest said, somebody slap him. Then Paul said to him, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall. What you call me? For... For sittest thou to judge me after the law and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law? And they that stood by said, Revilest thou God's high priest? Then, then said Paul, I wist not, brethren, that he was the high priest. For it is written, Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. But when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other were Pharisees, he cried out in the council, men and brethren, I'm a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, 
of the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am called, am I called in question? And when he had so said, there arose dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the multitude was divided. Paul be breaking out all kinds of stuff at the right time. He's about to get whooped. He's like, I'm a Roman. Can't whip him. He's about to have trouble. He goes, I'm a Pharisee. They're like, man, we can't get this guy in any kind of corner. We try to get him over here. He's a Roman. We try to get him over here. He's a Pharisee. Paul's like, the, the Lord is leading me. I know I need to go to Jerusalem. And I know that I need to go to Rome. And so ain't nothing going to happen to me in Jerusalem because the Lord showed me Rome. So you can't get confused in Jerusalem if the Lord has shown you Rome. Oh, somebody hear me. He knew I need to go through Jerusalem and I'm going to Rome. And so no matter what the devil tries to pull today, God has already shown me tomorrow. And I'm not going to get slack in today and get scared in today and get paralyzed in today and get wounded in today because I know the Lord has already shown me I will make it there somehow, some way. And God made a way of escape at every turn. The Bible says the multitude was divided for the Sadducees, verse 8, say that there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. And there arose a great cry, and the scribes that were of the Pharisees part arose and strove, saying, we find no evil in this man. Once they found out he was a Pharisee, this man all right, he's all right. We find no evil in this man. But if the spirit or an angel has spoken to him, let us not fight against God. And when there arose a great dissension, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and to bring him into the castle. And the night following, watch verse 11. I'm almost finished. Watch verse 11. And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. Ooh, hallelujah. Did you catch that? Listen, he was told twice by people who had good intentions and the right spirit, don't go to Jerusalem. If you go to Jerusalem, you're going to face hardship. One guy even demonstrated for him, Paul, if you go to Jerusalem, they're going to wrap you up. They're going to tie you up. They're going to put you in prison. But Paul had a word from God. He knew he had to endure everything that he's having to endure. When, when we know that the next thing we're about to do is probably going to cause us pain, suffering, and trouble. But we have a word from God. We cannot be deterred by any voice that would try to save us from the pain. Hear me. You cannot be deterred by any voice that would try to save you from the pain. Let me show you how it happened in Jesus' day. When Jesus said, they must take me and I must be slain for the, found, for, for the sins of the world. It was his own disciple who said, no, Jesus, don't say this. The Bible said the disciple rebuked him and said, Jesus, this is not going to happen to you. But Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, Satan, get thee behind me. 
For you are worried about the things of man, but I am worried about the things of God. And I see Paul in this same moment. He knew what was going to happen in Jerusalem was not going to be good. They were going to take him. They were going to bind him. But he also knew that the Lord showed me Rome. And so no matter what happens in Jerusalem, I got to go to Rome. I don't know if I'm going to make it out of Rome because the last thing I saw was Rome, but I know I'm going to make it out of Jerusalem. And so they're trying to kill me. They're trying to throw me in the prison. They're trying to beat me. God's going to make a way out every time. And then as he's in prison, in the middle of the night, the Lord comes and stands by him and said, be of good cheer, Paul, for you testified of me in Jerusalem. You're going to testify of me in Rome as well. I know it's a Wednesday night Bible study, and I'm supposed to be talking about the book of Acts, but can I preach to somebody for just a moment? If the Lord has shown you tomorrow, don't be afraid of what the enemy can do to you today. If the Lord has made you a promise of what's going to happen, you ought to stand firm on that word and say, you know what? I don't care what happened. You can try to discourage me any way you want to, but I've seen Rome. I've seen Rome. I, I may not seen past that, but I've seen Rome. So I know I'm making it out of Jerusalem. I'm coming out. I'm coming out. You, you, can't, you can't hold me here. Well, you're in prison, Paul, but you can't hold me here. They got you in chains, but you can't hold me here. Why are you so sure that we can't hold you here? Because the Lord showed me wrong. This ain't the end of my story. Somebody needs to hear the word of God tonight. This cannot be the end of your story. Ain't no way. This might be a chapter in your book, but this ain't the last chapter in your book. This may be a summary. This may be a segue, but it ain't the end. Come on, somebody. He said, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. They are thoughts of good and peace and not of evil. Why? To give you an expected end. I saw Rome. Give somebody a high five and tell them, I saw Rome. I saw it so the devil's not going to get me discouraged in Jerusalem. I saw Rome. I saw Rome. Ah. Uh, My, 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 but the Lord had told him, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. I know. I know it looks bleak. I know. I know they got you in here. I know the chains are tight. I know. But don't worry about it. You testified of me in Jerusalem, and you will testify of me in Rome. No matter what they are trying to do, no matter what the enemy's trying to work out in his, he can't, he can't stop what I'm going to do. You, you got to stand before some kings, Paul. You've, you've talked to the lowest of the earth, but I'm about to give you a chance to talk to the highest in the earth. You're about to talk to Felix, and you're about to talk to King Agrippa. You're about to have audience with, with, with people that can change policy, and the world can change through the conversion of these men. And no matter what they try here, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You will make it to Rome. Would you stand with me? Amen. Woo! I'm getting froggy in Bible study, man. 
was good to me. I, listen, last week I wanted to get to all that so bad, but I know I didn't have time. I was, trying to, I was trying to get to it. That's why I told you to go home and think about that. Paul said, I have to go to Jerusalem. Two times, watch this, two times people with good intentions tried to keep him from his destiny because they didn't want him to be hurt. And me and you got to be very careful that we don't allow people that really truly love us keep us from what God is putting us into. Amen. Amen. When, 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 when I began to tell ministry in my life that I was moving to Atlanta to start a church, I had good men, good men of God, warn me and say, man, I don't know if you should do that. I don't know if you, you should do that because, you know, your ministry's great. You're, I mean, you're on the road. People are, are calling you every week. You, you, I mean, you're a great evangelist. Why would you want to go and struggle to start a church? And the only reason, these were good men of God, but the only reason they were trying to tell me this is they were trying to save me from struggle. But trying to save me from struggle was keeping me from my destiny. And we got to be very careful in the church that we don't discourage people to walk through the fire that will purify them for the next thing they got to do. And you got to be careful when people come yapping in your ear. You got to understand what is my relationship with this person? Are they trying to save me from pain or are they trying to let God have his way in my life? Amen. There, there's a difference between good counsel right? There's a difference between good counsel. Hey, you probably shouldn't do, this is a mistake. He might be a mistake. She might be a mistake. This is just some good counsel you ought to look around at and take into your soul. But there's other times when me and you try to keep people away from ministries that, that we know will bring pain into their life because we don't want to see people suffer. But, but Paul prayed, Lord, that I may know you in your suffering. When they, when they told him, when they told him what was going to happen to him in Jerusalem, you know what he said? He said, here's the deal. I don't think so highly of myself. He said, I didn't do this for silver or gold or raiment. I did this because the Lord asked me to do this. You're, you're confused. You think that I'm worried about my life, but I'd give my life gladly to know that the name of Jesus has been proclaimed. That's what it's about for me. And the Lord have his way with whatever it may be. And every time they tried to trap him, he was like, you know I'm a Roman. He, did y'all know I was, a, I was a Pharisee? My dad was a Pharisee. His dad was a Pharisee. God will always make a way. It doesn't mean you're not going to get tied up. Doesn't mean you're not going to face pain. Doesn't mean you're not going to suffer. My life having no problems is not a sign that God's happy with me. Hear me. And my life being full of problems is not a sign that God's mad at me. Sometimes, sometimes God brings in the pain. He brings in the suffering to put us in a place where we can perform his will. And it's not always good. It's not always going to be great. All I know is he showed me Rome. Three chapters ago, Paul said, I must go to Jerusalem and then Rome. 
And it took three chapters for the Lord to come stand beside him and say, hey, you're right. Be of good cheer. You proclaim me in Jerusalem. You will proclaim me in Rome. They can't kill you. Because if you go home tonight and you keep reading, you'll see the next verse. There was a group of Jews who took a vow. We will not eat until we kill Paul. You better have some protection from the kind of people who will say, I'm not eating till I kill somebody. That's dedication. But Paul had protection because God said, I don't care what, they can starve to death. You will proclaim my name in Rome. Won't the enemy try to come strong at you? But he said, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Yes, he will. Somebody shout, yes, he will. We want to thank you again for joining us on the Truth Chapel podcast. May you have a blessed day and walk in the favor of the Lord.